welcome to Belly Up to the... No, we did oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, that one's been done. <laughs> but we had so much fun doing that one. <laughs> so we're moving on to Disintegration, a podcast about the cure, and maybe on occasion, disc golf. Maybe. <laughs> Probably rarely. <laughs> Just to jump into it, really. Matt, what is kind of your history with the cure? I... No, I, I've actually been... I mean, you gave me the disc, what... Four weeks ago? Uh, yeah, probably about a month. <laughs> so I, I, was, I don't know that I heard The Cure much outside of like what may have been played in movies and stuff that I have been right. watching. If you hear band The Cure, do you know like what they look like? If Is there a picture yeah. as far as yeah. like, do you know what Robert Smith looks like? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I guess mine's slightly more extensive. As it usually is. Well, my cousin, their family is slightly wealthier than us, so he owned a lot of albums. And he owned... This actual album, I think it was Disintegration he owned. It could have also been Wish. But since he never listened to it, I got as a hand-me-down. So I listened to that quite a bit. Had various comps over the years, but I can't say I've ever given real time to The Cure. I've listened to him my whole life, but probably only a rotation of five or six songs. Yeah, and I, I mean... And I did own whatever album I had, Friday I'm In Love. I owned yeah. that album when I was in high school. Yeah, I know that I, song pretty well. And I remember <laughs> buying it, and honestly, I probably got it around the same time as fucking... Because all of my musical history is traced by you two. Of course. <laughs> probably around acting Baby, maybe. I bought them both at probably the same time. And didn't follow up on either one after buying those albums. So we, I just figured, why not listen to The Cure? Goddamn, you two. Uh, but before we get really into The Cure, we've got a new feature for this podcast. <laughs> It's called Match Play. It's where we're going to pit songs against each other. The only rule is they have to have they pretty much the exact same title or really close. Yeah. And for our first match, it's a triple threat. Yeah! <laughs> the song title, Gloria. The competitors, Van Morrison. G-L-Y-O-R-I-A. Laura Branigan. Gloria. And Hometown Heroes. You too. So man, I just got done listening to these songs. If you've ever watched wrestling, a triple threat match, sometimes they throw a third guy in there, they last about two minutes, they get knocked out, get counted quick, and it's really down to the two people everybody wants to see. Yeah, Laura Brannigan, you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're out of the match quick, real fast. Uh, maybe, what, seconds? Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> 20 seconds into the song? Yeah, yeah. No, not going for that. But the other two, Van Morrison versus U2. I'm going to tell you what, I think... Both songs are important songs to rock and roll music in general. Yeah. That Van Morrison song is solid. That's just straight straight up, stripped out. That's rock and roll. That's rock and roll. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to sound like most of the time when you're listening to it. But it's you too. And I'm not going to vote against them. <laughs> and I really do like, like the song more. I just do like the song more. But it was still close. Yeah. I mean, I did think about picking Van Morrison there for a good 30, 45 seconds. But then got to the end of... Uh, Gloria from U2. That's just the end. Gloria. Getting all yeah. hype. Yeah, no. I'm still going to give it to U2. Yeah, what U2 with that strong ending, man. So what was your picks, Matt? It, it was, I mean, part of me wanted to just pick Van Morrison because Tim, I knew from day one, just was going U2. Just to spite U2. Just to spite Tim. No, honestly, the U2, just because of that switch up at the end. Like, they had a solid extra. So Van Morrison had two main parts to its song. And because you 2 added, added one that third additional part. third part. 3-2, <laughs> <Three>, U2. <two. laughs> 
Oh, I think we were using a uh, wrestling metaphor to begin with. We were. <laughs> oh, well. So the first album we have for you from uh, The Cure is Three Imaginary Boys. Just a little background on this. First off, we screwed up on the first episode. Well, I screwed up on the very first episode. Three Imaginary Boys was their UK debut. Oh. Boys Don't Cry was their US debut. So we're starting in the UK. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. So I did not do enough research. Just went on, looked up discography, saw that as the earliest date, and ordered it. I'll honestly say I probably would have done the same thing. <laughs> Robert Smith was not happy with the release as the record company decided on which tracks would be on the album and what the album art would be. Uh, the album art is a bit confusing. He did mention <laughs> that Object, World War, and their cover of Foxy Lady were all choices the record label, uh, record label made that he disagreed with. He said, in the past, I didn't like it at the time. There were criticisms made that it was lightweight, and I thought they were justified. Smith made sure after this album that he had complete creative control on all future releases. Wow. So Boys Don't Cry is different, like the track listing for yeah. the U.S. And the idiots at the record label left off Boys Don't Cry. Probably like one of the From. biggest Cure songs. Yeah, like yeah. that song itself. So you don't release the same album, but that you would leave that off for yeah. some of these other songs. Yeah, I'm going to bring that up. But even with his dissatisfaction, the album itself was well-received. Uh, received five stars from Sound Magazine, eight out of ten from Smash Hits, and three and a half stars from Rolling Stone. Wow. So, I mean, and it seemed like, I didn't really search commercially, but I assumed it did okay. That pretty much brings us to the album itself. So let's kick it off with 1015 Saturday Night. All right, my opinion, at least for the notes that I've got, I kind of, it was a good instrumental intro into an album. Kind of gave you an idea of what yep, was that coming. Slow building. Yep. At the very beginning of an album is always a good idea. There was a weird... I, I put pseudo-electric-y twang sound every once in a while that kind of hit my ear wrong. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, actually, I love that sound. <laughs> I mean... Right. No, I, I thought that was a great build-up sound. <laughs> You're wrong, Tim. Otherwise, I did... I mean, one of my notes is that it was an interesting choice for the intro to an album, but also with that slow build... It kind of makes sense as the intro to the album. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a great tone setter for the album. Yeah, uh, you, you gotta imagine, it's the first time a lot of people maybe hear this band. I mean, some people have probably seen them live or whatever, but people are going to curiously buy a CD, and this is the first song they hear from, you know, long term. Turns out to be a pretty relevant band. Yeah. I think it lets you know what you're in for from yeah. the get-go, like what you're going to hear. And... With this song and a few of the others, because this song reminded me sort of Gang of Four-ish. And I think it's kind of true for the, I mean, and it's their debut, so this tends to be probably the case with debut bands. Kind of wearing, like, their influences on their sleeve a little more than they did, you know, than they'll do five years later. Because, yeah. you know, band doesn't want to sound like other bands, but I think you can hear some heavy influences from that time. <laughs> Up next is Accuracy. So, I mean, again, a solid intro into the song. It had a good transition yep. from 10-15, and I think it had more of a Gang of Four influence than 10-15 Saturday did. Night did. But I think it, you know, two two solid songs for the very beginning. Yeah. A, a really chill start all around for this album, as far as it's pretty laid back and just, you know, I guess ride with it. Yeah. Uh, wasn't what I expected Based upon what I know about The Cure, because oh. I was so expecting something really gothy, and I, it's not. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I guess that's probably part of my experience with The Cure, is their later <laughs> oh, stuff that's yeah. kind of, yeah. this was like, 
The Are goth- we sure this is the cure? Goth romantic <laughs> deal. Yeah, no, I hear Yeah, you. and then I start in this, I mean, for me it was a slow start, like, this doesn't sound like the right band. It's not what I expected it to sound like <laughs> start, yeah, no. But that was, like I said, those first two songs, not too shabby. Yeah, no good start. Up next, uh, Grinding Halt. This one was a lot more straightforward, sort of rock and roll. Yeah. It did remind, this one is another one where it's kind of like you could, I think I could pick out the influences. If this had been on a Buzzcocks album, I would have not batted an eye. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with nope. them or not, but... Just, it sounds like the Buzzcocks with less distortion on the guitars. Oh, is it this one? One of these songs ends with a noise that I hate. And I, I'm thinking maybe it's this one. I can't remember. I know that there's... Well, I know the first song ends oh, no. with a weird... <laughs> I get it now. The song comes to a grinding halt at the end. That makes sense. <laughs> Just a little too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, another day. So this one, the note I've got is kind of eerie, whiny guitar intro, but picks up, I don't want to say early, but picks up back into that normal beat. I know what you mean. Pretty pretty quick, but not... Honestly, this one was kind of throwaway for me. Yeah. And I listened to this album a hundred times, probably, before we did this. And it just didn't click with me from the get-go, and man, just kind of middle... It's not bad, bad, it's just, it's middle of the roadish. Yeah. You know. I think they tried for something kind of, I don't know, eerie, horror yep. sound, and yeah. it just didn't quite mesh with their... Another day! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I have every one of these songs memorized. <laughs> Object, I think this was a good choice after Another Day. Yeah. Kind of that upbeat pull you out of the weirdness that was Another Day. Yeah. And this is one that he did not want on the record, but I didn't think it was too bad. Uh-huh. It's another one kind of had some... Uh, Buzzcock influence, but man, it brings you back to the album after another day, kind of like, oh man, what? Yeah. <laughs> Where you're like, yeah, maybe I'll listen to this later. Yeah. Turns it around just in time. Have an interesting use of like echoey sounds. Yep. That kind of made the lyrics stand out a little bit more. Right. I don't remember which song on here, but I was reading that at least on one of them, the lyrics are, or at least part of the lyrics, are just from the back of a sugar packet. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> right. There was one that I was listening to. And I, after I read that, I didn't think to try and pick out, like, to kind of try and catch the words. But, yeah, I did read that. No, I was re-listening last night just to maybe make different notes. I did, too. I listened to it. And I was just laying there in bed, and I'm like, is that all right? Because, <laughs> yeah, there, I don't remember what song it is, but there is a song that's got one of the just, huh? Right. Subway song. You know what? I wrote these notes probably like two weeks ago. I think last night listening, I may have changed my opinion a little bit on this one. It's not great. It's still mm-hmm. not great. And I originally had written that it kind of stole all the energy from Object after it had kind of picked it back yeah. up after another day. But, I, you know, I was just sitting there listening to it lyrically and musically. Together it works. Like, I actually listen to the lyrics because a lot of time it's just background noise. Right. Which I mean, is the exact opposite of the way I listen to it. It's basically writing a song about a woman being stalked in a subway. Yeah. You know what? The music that backs this little story, kind of, yeah. it, it fits, fits the narrative. Yeah. yeah, That one, maybe I did change my mind just a little bit from what I was thinking a couple weeks ago. Uh, I also noted, like, technically this is the end of side A. Oh, right. I think according to the album split. Gotcha. Hmm. So it kind of is that yeah, you know, down note into the end of a side. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's the pattern. Yeah. Uh, up next is Foxy Lady, and it's either... 
It's the end of Subway song that has the abrasive note. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, actually, I have a note in my notes that says... I thought it was the beginning of Foxy Lady, but it's the end of Subway song. I noticed it last night when I was listening, so yeah. that, that clears up that mystery. Yep, mystery we solved. got it figured out. Uh, anyways, I really hate that noise. Like, if... I, I gotta get it out of there. Yeah. Edit that MP3 something. It's yeah, just, that's... Uh, whose fault is that one? Is that Robert Smith or is that the label? I would guess that's the label yeah. for editing Way to go, it. dummies. Yeah. Robert Smith was right. You ruined this album. Damn you! <laughs> Foxy Lady, it's not a bad cover, but, you know, I go back to... Uh, we could have been listening to Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Like, one of their most well-known songs of all time. <laughs> makes no sense no i like this one came up and i'm like this doesn't it's not quite right yeah <laughs> like i said it makes no sense they put it on here but it's okay it's a cover like and it's them just jerking around doing a cover not yeah like, no you we're gonna do the best foxy lady cover ever it's yeah. more like hey i know foxy lady yeah. too let's let's do that real quick it it kind of feels more like a quote jam session like yeah that's what i mean like they were just in the studio maybe in between songs somebody started whipping it out I'm like yeah, yeah let's yeah, do that let's do that Man, we're not doing nothing else right now let's do that real quick meat hook is the best song about going to the butcher shop that i've ever heard holy cow yeah <laughs> and that it is, is literally the it? only thing i got out of that song like I, that's what it sounded like it, it was just going to a butcher yeah. right I, there wasn't any kind of like twists i don't think so but musically, I liked it. Huh? It was it was jazzy, which it probably doesn't describe it at all. But in my head, that's the way I think of it. Yep. I did make a note that this might have been a better intro to side B than Foxy Lady. You know, it might be right. Just because, yeah. I mean, and it might just be because yeah, Foxy Lady saying. is a cover. Yeah. And, co- yeah. I mean. Foxy Lady shouldn't have been on there at yeah. all, honestly. If anything, you feel the covers at the end of the album. Like, uh, the only thing about this song, if it had been longer than two minutes, I'd, yeah. I probably would feel differently. Like, it wasn't really that big of a song idea anyways. You're singing about going to a butcher shop, like I said. Yeah. And musically, it wasn't really that amazing that it needed to be stretched. Like, it was no. a good, it's a good two-minute or less idea. So, at least they knew that much. Up next is So What? And this is the song with the package of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Pop Matters Review said, A song so stupid that it features Smith reciting lines off a package of sugar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But you know what? I like the vocals on this. Not the lyrics yeah. necessarily, because I don't really pay attention yeah. most of the time, except apparently the on subways on Meat Hook. <laughs> I will say. But the way the, vo- the vocal patterns themselves, I really, I it's not too bad. I think it's pretty harsh to be going, you know, saying that it's stupid. Yeah. But I wouldn't write home about it either. No. I mean, m- my biggest note on this one was it's got some weird lyrics, which now I know they're read from the back of the sugar <laughs> yeah. packet, so that makes exactly. sense. Well, um, what kind of lyrics are on the back of a sugar packet anyways? Every sugar I mean, packet I've ever seen, it just says sugar <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> I guess I made a note that instrumentals didn't feel quite right with the lyrics. No, it doesn't, and that's it, and that's what I liked of, about yeah, it. Though it, that they, might be part of the reason why it actually sounds okay, because mm-hmm. you kind of have the option of hey, let's pay attention to the instrumental. That's kind of what I mean by the meandering. Like he was not like the music's playing, but he's not really following. Yeah, but it also isn't so out of sync. That it's like you just. This is terrible. Yeah. Like, like it somehow did you works. You guys record separately and then they offset the track? Yeah, no no idea, but they like I said it works, I think. Yeah. Up next is Fire and Cairo. Dare I say it, this song is straight fire. <laughs> In Cairo. <laughs> Which he spells a lot. <laughs> you know what? I, I did not notice he was spelling Cairo until last night when I was listening to it. I've been listening to this for a month. <laughs> 
And I just it just yeah. clicked. I don't know what I was singing along with before because I've been singing this yeah. song for a month. I don't know what I was saying in that no, spot. Same thing with me yesterday. I was just, I was like, oh crap! <laughs> Spelling Cairo, but he does it. At, he like, spells actually. A, he spells the whole thing. Fire yeah, in Cairo. Cairo. But he he does it at such a I want to say cadence. Yeah, that you don't really catch mm-hmm. it right away. It's like oh oh, oh he's just spelling. Okay, yeah. Young and Gloria love to teach you how to spell. There you go. <laughs> uh, this or ten fifteen is probably my favorite song from the album. And, and I probably would give it to Fire and Cairo, honestly. I yeah. Don't know. I like them both a lot. Uh, the guitar part in this, though, it drove me nuts. And because it sounded like a sort of, it had to be like a 70s rock band. I Like Bob Seger, the Doobie Brothers. Uh-huh. Like that's that era of music and that kind like that guitar part comes from one of these songs, not directly. Like you can hear how it's changed, but the sound of like the amp itself and some of the chords—it's not a direct match. But you're like, man, you could learn both those songs if you just learn one of those songs. Yeah, it's like how we through most guitar parts. What? <laughs> it was really so close, and it was driving, but I just could not think of it. Every time I listen to it, it's like right on my tongue. Huh? One day I'll solve this mystery. We're one for one two day. on mysteries today. No, we're working it out. Next is It's Not You. It, it's really not. <laughs> you know, it sounds like, and this one's another one where I was like, yeah, this sounds buzzcocky too, but like not as good buzzcock, buzzcock song. Right. It sounds like a billion other punk songs from that era. Yeah. It is what it is, but I, it was fine for me because mixed in this album. It makes, yeah. It, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense, but you know, I'll take some old school sort of generic punk rock anytime, so I was okay with this one. Yeah, it kind of felt, I mean, for me, because I don't have the punk rock history, Right. it was very, I guess, a new sound attempt for the group in the song, but I don't know that they quite hit it right, right. for the album. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is an oddity on this. I yeah. agree with you there. And like I said, not mind-blowing, but I was okay with it. Uh, next up is Three Imaginary Boys. I'm going to tell you right now, this should have been the last album on the track. Well, considering the last album on the track is like a minute long. Yeah. It, we'll get into that piece of crap. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, three, honestly, this three song... Three Imaginary Boys may have been the logical ending. This album ended with the song that I actually probably expected to hear before listening to the album. I think it gets close to what I think of as a Cure song when I hear just the words, The Cure. I have a certain style in my head. I think this one fits the most with the style that I expected. Yeah. Last one, Weedy Burton. I already said it was a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the worst. Like, it's... The I, only... I think it drags this album down when you're, like, listening to it all the way through. I think if you... You get at the end of Three Imagine Boys, and you're like, man, this isn't so yeah. bad. And then they throw Weedy Burton, and you're like, God, this album sucks. I, it, <laughs> it, I don't know if it's the fact that it, it almost ends abruptly. Yeah. So you have no idea it's coming. That, yeah. Well, that's that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the end. Well, it's just so, oh, God, it's so yeah. terrible that they ended this album like Last that. Last night I ended up listening on YouTube, uh, just because I didn't want to have to go out to the car and get the CD. And I really, like... YouTube does the stupid autoplay thing, yeah. so I didn't. It didn't even phase me. Like this song led into some random Cure song that just right. you know, shows up. Probably Forest. YouTube puts Forest up all the time. If you've been listening to any sort of the Cure or yeah, and I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> right. God, it's so because it went from like saloon type music 
sounding stuff yeah. to what you now imagine is the cure. <laughs> there, you just heard Weedy Burden. No, yeah, don't listen just to play it. that on loop for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just skip it. We're not quite a minute and a half. <laughs> so I think that's how long Weedy Burton is. So overall, Matt, what'd you think? Honestly, I if this was their only... No, no let me put it this way. After your first album, are you regretting that you're going down this A little road? bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, first and foremost, I started listening to this a month ago, and until, like... Today, I'm like, I don't know that I can listen to more. <laughs> you know, overall, I didn't think it was bad. I mean, you gotta keep in mind, it is a first album. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's probably a timing issue, too, with me, because I've been listening to a lot of post-punk, a lot of, this, a lot of Smiths, a lot of Joy Division. So, I mean, it's sort of the genre I'm into now, which is why I picked The Cure anyways, because it's like, well, I'm either going to listen to this on my own, or might as well... Me and Matt listening, we'll do another podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably give it, on a five-point scale, 2.5. Solid two? All right. <laughs> solid. Solid start all around. Yeah. A 2.25 average. Kind of hoping the next album's better. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. Next episode, we'll be listening to 17 Seconds. Got anything... Left for the show, Matt? Any other comments? Queries? Uh, as far as the next head-to-head we do, I think we gotta do Jump. Jump? Yes. What, Van Halen and... Oh! Is it Crisscross? I think so. Alright! <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to double-check, but I think that's yeah. Sounds like a plan. Alright. Let's go disc. Follow us on Twitter at Frisky Discs. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts.